0: Alrighty, we are going to uh continue the series on the parable of the sower, and we're on the third installment of this series, and you know we've we've hit it from a couple different angles and how important it is. Uh most of us has probably been involved with I would say some sort of gardening in our life to some degree, so uh, Jesus used these illustrations in his culture because as uh, primarily agriculture was the mainstay of what people did. Everybody uh, was involved in being able to grow their own food. But have you ever noticed that uh, it's so much easier to grow a weed than it is something that you want to eat? I don't know why that is. Well, I do know why it is. And we're going to go over that a little bit. But the, uh, weeds just seem to thrive... Without any extra effort upon our part, and uh, as a gardener, anybody's done any gardening, and I haven't done none for a long time, but when I was a kid I did, uh, it's a big job just to try to keep those weeds out of the garden. You know, and as, if you don't really understand why, you know, why can't you just let them grow? What do they hurt? You know, we know where the rows are, we can go find what we want. You know, I know the garden that my, you know, great grandma, my mom, I helped her too, but my great grandma used to watch me. And, um, we, she was very meticulous in her gardening. And we would go out there and for whatever reason, that little plot of ground, a uh, foxtail was our, was our battle. A lot of foxtail. And having to deal with that foxtail all the time. And that was before there was a lot of killers that we can use today, uh, to be able to deal with it. But, uh, what really happens is that weeds, they steal. They're thieves. They rob things from the plant. So the plant is robbed of some of the nourishment that it needs to be able to get that good fruit. And any farmer knows that when you sow the seed, you're not doing it for practice or a hobby. You know, you're wanting to get the fruit. Now, last week, we we looked at the angle of, you know, the rocky soil you know, the first week we looked at how the seed was beside the road and how the road was hard and, and the seed just would lay there. And then the enemy or the birds would come and they would grab the seed and eat it for it even had a chance. And then last week was on the rocky soil where the seed, it would, it would hit the dirt and the roots would go down, but it couldn't go very far because it was, you know, just a little bit of dirt on the rock And then when the sun came out, it scorched it and it died because, you know, the roots couldn't go down to where it could get uh, to what it needed. And that was kind of a picture of those who, you know, maybe don't get excited or they get excited about the Word. But then they get mad at God afterwards when they find out that maybe there's persecution or attacks. You know, it's a little different than in in the first week because not everybody has ears to hear. It talks about being dull, dull of hearing. And that's talking about not being excited about the Word of God. And that's what amazes me, is a lot of people, now, I don't want to offend nobody, but a lot of people view church as just a social experiment. That if my friends don't go there, if I don't have friends, or I'm not, you know, feeling, you know, that way, then I'm not, you know, that's not, that's not for me. But really, it's about the Word. Because when you stand before Jesus, you're not going to stand there with your friends. You're going to stand there and you're going to be judged in the, you know, the bema seat based on what you did with what you had. And that's, that's a very sobering statement. Now, today's illustration we're going to be looking at, the third part, is when the soil was fine. There was good dirt, great dirt. And, but the seed was sown and there was weeds involved. And we're going to look at how that that kind of robs, and that's kind of what we're going to pick up. You know, the the scripture, uh, the main jumping scripture that we've been looking at is Matthew 13. You know, the parable of sowers is in several places in the Bible. And it says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell upon rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, but because they had no depth of soil, but when the, the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell upon the thorns, and the thorns came and choked them out, and others fell upon the good soil and it yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you that as that holy seed goes in our hearts, Lord, we thank you that it's going to find good soil and it's going to root down and it's going to produce fruit in our lives. Lord, I yield to the gift you put inside of me. I use it for your glory. I bind Satan from trying to steal that seed or the word out of our hearts. And Lord, we thank you for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, for you and I, dealing with weeds was not plan A. That was not plan A in the creation, but that's just kind of what happened. It's part of the curse. When Adam chose to eat of the fruit that he wasn't supposed to, it opened the door as, as they listened to the devil. Instead of listening to what God said, it opened the door, and then that brought the curse in there, and that's when weeds really started to thrive. And then Adam was told that he, by the sweat of his brow, he was going to have to take care of it, and that means a lot of work. A lot of work dealing with those weeds because the weeds come in and they try to rob. Now, when I was a boy, I don't know if there wasn't very good killers back then for weeds. I know we put certain things on the ground as a kid. Some of it I stayed away from. You know, I remember, you know, some of the inoculation stuff. Dad would open these packets and you know, they just looked like they had death in them, and they did, you know. You know, I, you definitely wouldn't want to get some on your hands and put it in your mouth, you know, touch your mouth or something. But, you know, to kill the bugs, you know, in the bean planter, you would dump this poison in there, and it would kill the bugs. But one thing that we had to do is we had to walk the beans, and because we had to deal with the cuckoo burr. Evidently, the drugs they had they put on the ground maybe killed some things. Now, I don't remember totally, but beans is a broadleaf. And so you couldn't put the same kind of killer maybe on the ground because you'd kill your beans. So you had to deal with that in a little different way. So what, 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 what happened here is that when the beans would grow up, all of a sudden these cuckleburs, these taller plants would be out there in the field. And maybe it was a pride issue. I don't think it was, but for a farmer to leave the weeds out there, everybody drives by and they say, oh man, he's got weed problems. But there was more than that. The fact these cucklebirds, you know what they've looked like. They look like a little sticky thing and inside of them thousands of seeds. So what we would have to do, we would take these machetes or corn knives and you had to be careful. If you cut down the beans, you get in trouble. But you'd have to, we'd walk the beans back and forth. Now picture a field, the field across the road and picture walking back and forth, back and forth, having to go out there to kill those weeds. I hate weeds. I've grown up hating weeds. Because the fact of what it takes to deal with the weeds in our life, and and there's some spiritual connotations that, that God wants to show us, because the fact of the matter is, weeds grow faster than sometimes what you want to grow. I read something just the other day that a pigweed can grow three inches a day. That's quite a bit. And what it is, when you plant seed in the ground, many of us don't understand, but there's a war going on. There's a war between the seeds and the weeds. And sometimes the first one up, if a lot of weeds will grow, they'll create a canopy and it'll rob the, not only the plant of nourishment from the ground, but also precious sunlight that comes from above. So the weeds kind of shade things. And it keeps us from getting the good stuff from God. Now the answer for what Jesus was trying to tell the people is found in verse 22. It says, and the one whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. So we're going to look now at two word chokers. Two word chokers that you and I have to deal with. Now, it's talking about the idea of the affairs of this life. And as I mentioned, it's competing against God's Word. Just like the seeds and the weeds, they're fighting as they go on the ground. I mean, they're not actually getting into it, but it's really the first one there wins. The first one that grows up and can be able to get established. You know, you want to get something established. If you've ever torn up the ground, you want to try to get grass seed to grow out in your yard. You want it to get established before it gets hot so that the roots can go down so it can survive. And so it's important that a seed gets established in our life. And that's what the Word of God's all about. It wants to be established in our life. And what happens is the fares of this life come in and it tries to choke it. Now, it talks about here in Matthew, the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth or riches. Now, Mark chapter 4 also adds the desires for other things, which kind of ties into both of these things uh, together. And what it's actually mentioning to us is the fact that it's talking about the cares or the pleasures of this world. Now, we live in these things. Now, it's not talking about God doesn't want us to have any fun. You know, that's what somebody would maybe read into that. But what happens is when something will take us away from God's Word. Now, the word choke means to throttle or suffocate. Throttle or suffocate. You know, we all know what choking's about, right? Maybe you've been choked, or maybe you've choked somebody. You know what it's like when their face turns red, right? They're, at, they're gasping for air. They're needing, you know, because they can't breathe. They, you know, it's been throttled or it's been, you know, cut off. And see, that's what the devil's trying to do to the Word of God in our life because the weeds in your life are trying to create a canopy to stop the S-O-N light, the sunlight of God, to come into our life. And that's its goal. The weeds are trying to get established. Now, the bad news is is the weeds had a, had a jump start on us, because we are born sinners separated from God. And so the weeds of this world have been, been growing, and many times, if you can picture a very well established root system, like some big old tree, that's what's in our life. And that's why we have to deal with some of those things. So that the word, the holy word of God, that seed will come in and then it's going to start to to grow and, and, and we'll start to see change. Now, I found that a lot of people think they can multitask and they take great pride in multitasking. But what I found out is usually if they can multitask, they're really choking out the word. Because what happens is that we're so consumed or preoccupied with the things of this world, it's robbing it because a seed's main goal in its life is to bear fruit. The only reason that you and I take in God's word into our life is so that it will bear fruit in our life. And that fruit is the changed life. That's the fruit. So when the word comes in, and it gets established, and it starts to grow, then all of a sudden we start to see life change. And that's really what everybody's wanting in, our, in their hearts. Now, change is hard sometimes, but when God does it, it's really easy. It brings a lot of, lot of, of, of uh, great great things start to manifest in our life. Now, the soil condition here, like I said, this was good soil. And when the, when, when the sower went out to sow... And it was sown among the thorns that were already in the dirt there. You know, this seed probably rooted down. It grew a stem. Butted out some leaves. But then it stopped there. All before it went into the fruit stage. And see, that's what happens with a lot of Christians. Is the fact when they let the worries of the world come into our lives... We don't really bear the fruit. Oh, we may put in the time. We may be the most faithful at church, but we haven't controlled our thought life. So just because we're faithful at church doesn't necessarily bring victory. We should be faithful. And I can watch a lot of people's lives who aren't faithful and they're a disaster. But my goal is if you've done the work to get faithful, I want you to get the fruit. I want you to be able to enjoy the fruit. And really, you technically don't enjoy it, but the person next to you will. Amen? Right? Is that how that works? Other people really enjoy the fruit in our life. It's not necessarily us, although we do uh, enjoy it too. Now, the worry of the world, what that's talking about. Now, worry will bring anxiety to our mind, and it affects us in our, in our, in our mind as well as our personality, If you're all stressed out and all worried, you know, so far, you're not yourself, are you? You're a little bit different. You you know, you can tell when somebody's, you know, all stressed out, maybe at work or, you know, maybe your spouse or something or a friend. You can tell they're just not themselves today. And see, that's what the enemy tries to do because he doesn't want us to be because the word worry, what it's actually talking about, I think it's merimna, I can't remember right now off the top of my head, but it's talking about a care or a divided thought. Our thoughts are divided, you know, and, and when, when our thoughts are divided, it gets us into a little bit of trouble in the sense that we're not going to be able to um, let that fruit start to uh, be manifested in our life. Now, what this worry talking about, and I understand now, let's say you got a big attack on your life or something. It's one thing to be concerned about that, and really we're not supposed to worry at all. We're supposed to really lay it all in God's hands, you know, but I'm, this here is talking about just worrying about the basics of life. It's not about something big happening in your life. This is talking about a worry wart. You know worry warts? There are some people that are worry warts. You know, they worry about everything, just the basics. But, you know, God explained in Matthew 6 about, you know, how he takes care of the birds and, you know, all these things. And, you know, how worry's not going to help us. You know, a lot of times we just sit there and worry, worry about things that we shouldn't even be concerned about. That it's gonna, and God's going to be able to take care of it, and, and we just need to trust Him. And I found out that a lot of times, you know, we get more stressed out than, than we used to be in, in earlier days, when life was simpler. You know, I was thinking the other day, when I started out working, I think I was making $3.50 an hour. That was my first job. And other than working on the farm, which was free, you know, to some degree. Although my parents gave me a lot of things, I'm not denying that. But my first job when I hired out after I went to electrician school, I think I started at 3 an hour. Now, they bumped me up to 5 real quick, you know. Uh, but anyway, not a lot of money compared to today's wages, maybe. But I wasn't stressed out. Life was easy. You know, a lot of, I really think as, as time kind of escalates, you know, that the, the power that the enemy tries to influence over all our lives, especially the lives of Christians, is the fact that he tries to get us so stressed out and caring about other things. And, you know, all these time-saving gadgets that you and I use, computers and all those things and phones and, you know, how on earth could we live without a cell phone now? You know, I mean, uh, years ago, hey, you just planned your calls every now and then. You know what I mean? Hey, I'll call you in the morning or I'll call you at night. Can't, during the day, I don't have a phone. That's just the way it is. You know, if I'm out, out in the boonies doing something. But yet, we, we, we get so stressed out, and I think sometimes it's the gadgets that stress us out. It's your computer crashes or your phone goes down. You know, all these things, we get into trouble, and then how many have lost some of their life on tech support? Amen been on tech support with somebody, and, you know, and then you, you need a translator to understand the tech support person. You know what I'm saying? You know, especially now, I, I haven't had to do it so much, but, you know, maybe five, six, seven years ago with some computers, you know, you're there, and you're trying to get something figured out, and here all your life's in that computer. I mean, you put all your vital information in that thing, and all of a sudden, it ain't working. You know, that was before the cloud for some of you kids, There was no cloud back then, you know, where you could store things and have it backed up to some degree. You had to manually back everything up yourself. I just seen something goofy the other day on the news that the government still uses floppy drives. The old floppy drives they spend, I don't know how many millions of dollars buying this old technology instead of upgrading for whatever reason but it's just crazy you know just how how these gadgets how they come in and, and they affect our life and and also another thing that can cause a lot of worry is you know we as christians want to walk in excellence right we want to be the excellent employee but sometimes we can take it too far our job if we get ocd about it you know what i mean obsessive compulsive disorder You know, we can let that, you know, stress us out. We just think everything's got to be right. And, you know, we just try to, you know, a perfectionist running out of time. And see, we can let them things stress us out. Now, what happens when we do that, it's going to rob us of the word because, and I think sometimes, you know, we worry about stuff that we have. And then the sad thing is we worry about stuff that we don't have. We just worry all the time. And we we think about what oh man I, I have this I got to watch it I, you know what if it breaks down and so they try to sell us some expensive insurance you know what gets me is they tell you hey this is the boss, best product you got, we got here on the shelf mm, never go wrong never had any trouble with this one great I'll take it you walk up to the checkout line would you like to buy insurance for your product I, I thought you told me it was a good product well you know. You know, I I know they make extra money on those things, you know, but it's just the way it is. To try to get us worrying about it. Worry about what's really going on. So worry doesn't help, and and it talks about a lot in the Bible. Now, the next thing it talks about, as well as the worries of the world that you and I have, is the deceitfulness of wealth, on how wealth comes in, and we can get off track with that. Most people would say that, you know, Wealth doesn't buy happiness. It does bring you comfort. I ain't going to lie to you. Right? It'll bring some comfort. But it won't guarantee happiness. Right? You know, because, you know, you can't really, really trust in it. And, and, and that delusion or that kind of thinking will bring disappointment to our life. And we get so concerned with with God and mammon and we let the mammon take in talking about money and all of a sudden we get in that treadmill of life. Now, I, for one, I don't like treadmills. I know some people enjoy working out on them. Man, for me, it just doesn't seem like you're getting anywhere, does it? Amen? You know, and that's the treadmill of life too. You just think you're going and all of a sudden it just seems like you've been there an hour. Man, I haven't moved hardly a bit. I'm still standing here looking at that wall. And that's the way it is in life, the treadmill of life. We get so consumed to chasing after things that we think we need, and, and we get to worrying about them. And, and what it does, it comes in. And Now, I'm not saying you've got to pay your bills, you've got to do all that. That's all normal stuff. But, but when, we, when it gets to the level where it robs us, and then it makes it unhealthy. You know, we're unhealthy because we don't have enough, and then we're unhealthy because we worry about somebody's going to take what we have. You know, and and that's when it gets to the level that that we get in trouble, and and that greed, the spirit of greed, and and that that's really from the devil. When we, when we get to the point where where we're greedy, now, uh, you know, some Christians have a problem with working on Sunday. I, I don't. If you have to. Now I have a problem with a Christian that works seven days a week because they want to get greedy, because they're greedy. I have a problem with a Christian like that. But, you know, a lot of things, the old school says, well, you don't work on Sunday. And, well, that's fine. But if you go out to eat, who's going to serve you? You know, so at church, they criticize people for working on Sunday. And then they go out to eat and make somebody work to feed them. That's religion, right? No. So in in dissecting this and, and bringing it around, really it talks about being consumed with greed. And when you're, see, it's talking about that divided mind. See, we, got, we can't have a divided mind. And, and we need to keep our, our focus clear. Now, do you think about Jesus all ever waking moment? No, that's not what this is talking about, because that'd be hard to do, wouldn't it? You know, your employer probably wouldn't like that. You know, unless you work for God at the church or something like that. But still, you got to do something. There's other things, you know, that you take care of. So what it's talking about is being able to deal with these two weeds in our life that come in to try to divide our mind from the, from the purity of God's holy word. Where we, you know, we need to worry the word really than worry about the other stuff. And we need to trust God that he's going to bless us and take care of us rather than thinking we have to do it all ourselves. Because as we all know, money's not bad in itself. Money's a tool. That's all it is. It's a tool. You use it as a tool. You use it as a tool that you buy for things that you need or do what you need to do, you know. Uh, and that's how we need to look at it. So it all comes down to our heart focus. And that's where we're going to try to tie this together. Back to the uh, initial formula of what Jesus was saying before he spoke the parable. Then he told about why some don't get it. You know, because a parable will bring clarity or confusion, correct? Clarity for those who are excited about the Word and that are into the Word, but confusion for those who have a divided mind, who are really worldly, carnal, carnal Christians, and they're not really uh, privy to the, 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 for lack of a better term, the secret things of God. You know, some of these things are hidden to the worldly. You know, uh, God just reveals them to those who are, are somewhat of a diligent seeker. Now, so this person here had ears to hear, but they also heard other things. You know what I mean? They, they heard the word, and they received the word, but in attention to the word, they also was listening to the enemy. And that's where that fruit couldn't grow. And next week, we're going to look at how to tie it all together so you get the fruit. But this person was doing almost everything right, but yet they did extra in the sense where they allowed those things to bombard their mind. And this is where you and I need to get the victory is mind control. You can control your mind. You can control what you think about. To some degree, like I said, if you're, you know, Brian here, he's a surgical nurse. You know, he has to focus while he's working, doesn't he? You know, it's different focusing on what you have, their task at hand versus while he's working there, worrying about things. You know, there's a difference. It's one thing to think about, yeah, I got to, you know, have these, these things done and these things ready for the surgeon versus while you're in between times worrying about, oh, you know, what about my, my money? Am I making enough money here? I, I, I don't know if I have enough. Or I, you know, so-and-so has a sailboat now, and I want a sailboat. You know, and I I, I got to have that sailboat. What am I going to do now? You know, and then you get to worrying about, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my bills. Or the idea of, you know, worrying about the world stuff, you know, other than finances, you know, just just different things about so-and-so's talking about me, and, you know, all these things. You get to worry and, See, there's difference between thinking about tasks and bringing worry in. Negative thought. Because negative thought is the weed. And that negative thought. So what happens when you have those negative thoughts? Now, this is going to be very enlightening. Think about something else. How hard is it, right? Think about something else. When you're worried about all these things and, oh, I'm so overwhelmed, I, I'll never get all this done, there's just too much to do, think about something else. Think about a scripture. Think about a good thing, the Bible talks. And see, when we do that, you think, well, that's not productive. Oh, yeah. If you're killing weeds, you're doing something, right? The fruit may not manifest instantaneously. But what it's going to do is you're starting to uproot those weeds that's in your life. And, and then as you start to do that, you're going to start to see victory. You know, there's story upon story I can mention you know, especially somebody who's dealing with insecurity, worrying about their spouse or their boyfriend or girlfriend. Are they being faithful? Are they going out and doing this? And then all of a sudden they're thinking, I just know they're talking to somebody else. Or I just know, hey, this may sound cold. But if they are, you worrying about it, it's not going to make it any better. Right? Have we ever gained any level of victory in our life by worry? Nothing. Nothing. So there's things we can deal with, and there's things that we can't deal with. But controlling our mind, being able to focus on, you know, changing our focus. Well, pastor, how many times do you have to do that? As many times as it takes. You know, some guys have a problem with lust. Every time they see a pretty girl or anything, all of a sudden their mind wanders. Well, how often do they have to bring their mind back? Every time. Instead of letting it go on and start to get off in the fantasy land, you focus it back. You bring it back to where it needs to be. You husbands maybe aren't happy with your wives. Every time you have a negative thought about your wife and how they might irritate you. The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Well, how often do you do that? Every time you have that thought. See, this stuff here is so practical... People just sweep it under the rug and think, ah. But this is how it works. This is how we get to the next level. This is how we start to get the fruit to start to manifest in our life. Because when, when, when our heart focus is off, it's going to affect your crop. Now, when I was a boy growing up, the old Clay Hills out there in Monroe County, if we had 80 Bushel to the acre sometimes, that was pretty good. A hundred, you was a hero. My dad has a plaque on his wall from several years ago. Two hundred, and I want to say twenty-some bushel to the acre. In the same ground that I grew up with. They put some additives in the ground to help the dirt. And we're going to look at that next week of what we can do to increase our harvest. Because the harvest is really what we want to see. And we don't want to be so spiritually humble in the sense that, no, I don't want nothing, you know, I don't want nothing from God. Honey, God wants to give us so much. He wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to grow and walk in victory. I don't know about you, but I loved it when my kids were victorious in different things in their life, and I still am. I know our Heavenly Father is the same way. When we start to walk and we start to wield the sword of the Spirit and we start to walk in that level of victory, it beats the devil back. Glory to God, that's what he's wanting. He's looking for people to do that. But we cannot have a divided mind and expect to really walk in that level of victory in our life. Because the weeds of the world are continually trying to come in to smother the word in our life. It's trying to choke it. You know, picture being choked and what that feels like. And see, that's what the enemy's trying to do to the word of God in your life. Because if he can't steal it like he did in the first illustration with the hardened ground, then he tries to scorch it. And if he can't scorch it, he tries to smother it. See, Satan fears you when you have the word working in your life. You are a threat to him. Yes. Because the most dangerous person on the planet is a Christian that knows the word of God and is walking in it. He fears you. Because you do more damage in the kingdom than anything else can. Because you are living out the word. You're being a doer of the word of God. And that's, that's, that's what we want to see. Now, as a farmer, the most heartbreaking thing there is is to be a crop, have crop failure. You know, those old farmers that, you know, have the bottom ground by the creeks? They'll drive by one day and, man, look how good them crops look. Next day, they're underwater. Crop failure. Or maybe they, you got a beautiful field and you're just looking out and you can start to see it start to, start to really manifest and all of a sudden, a hailstorm comes. Boom, just, just pulverizes it. Just breaks your heart. Put all that labor, all that effort, same thing with your garden. Put all that effort. Just about when the corn gets ready, the coons come, right? That's why they make electric fences, amen? They don't like those. They don't like to feel them. And see, we don't want that crop failure. And and see, that's what happens to a believer. You know, they've, they've done the work. They've put the word in. But yet, they allow their mind to wander. And then they wonder, ah, this Christianity don't work. It works. But we have to work it. We have to be in line with it. God's given us some Wisdom. As I mentioned, the weeds and the seed are both battling for the same thing. And that's the focus of our heart. Now, it proves unfruitful means that the word or message cannot bear fruit. Meaning fruit is often a symbol, it says here, to represent our actions. Or it can represent results. You know, we need to get result oriented in a sense that we want to see some results. We need to expect it. When we give into the offering, there should be an expectation of God bringing blessing. We put the word of God in our heart. We should have an expectation of a changed life. That we're going to start to walk in that kind of blessing. The hardest thing that you and I are going to do in closing is keeping the main thing the main thing. A house divided will fail or fall and a heart divided will fail. So a house divided will fall and a heart divided will fail. So, that is your homework, amen, for this week. Is to practice on not allowing yourself to go negative. Amen? Try to keep that negative thoughts out. They're going to come. Radio, television, cell phone, internet. All these things bombard us. Because what we have to understand is that there's a spirit of the world, right? The Bible talks about the spirit of the world. Then you got the spirit that is from God. All right? Both are speaking. God is speaking to you. But the world, the devil's system, is also speaking to you. And the sad thing is, bends we live in a fleshly body, we interpret the enemy's signal somewhat easier sometimes because it, it's natural, it's, it's earthly, it's, it's, it's also demonic, you know? But our flesh believes how it feels rather than what the Word says. And so we have to transcend our feelings and get over into faith so that we can start to be able to walk and exhibit that, that form of victory that God has for our life, and it's available, amen? It's there for each and every one of us.